This is Ed Asner, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Robertson welcoming you back to TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television that is happy to bring you part two of our interview with Howard Storm and Steve Stoyer. Howard and Steve are the co-authors of The Imperfect Storm from Henry Street to Hollywood, the story of Howard's life and career in show business. From his days performing in nightclubs across the country throughout the 1950s to his years working as an actor in movies and on television throughout the 1960s, his years performing improv in the early 1970s as a member of the committee, and his long and successful years as a director in television, including the three years he worked with Robin Williams as the regular director on Mork and Mindy. The Imperfect Storm available bearmannermedia.com as well as amazon.com where books are sold online. Okay, this is a general question. I want to ask Howard for his thoughts on it first, then Steve, you jump in. We were talking about... Oh boy, a (laughs) (laughs) toss-up. Okay, we're talking about Abbott and Costello. Abbott and Costello do not succeed without each other. The funny guy needs the straight man to set them up. Now, early in your career, Howard, you worked both as a straight man and you worked as a stand-up funny guy on your own. Not everybody can do that. You could. Why, why, why do you think you were able to do that? Uh, I guess because, uh, you know, of my background, uh, there was always comedy in my house, you know, in our apartment. And uh, I, I call it a funny bone. Mm-hmm. You know, either you have a funny bone or you don't. And if a guy wants to be a comic and doesn't have a funny bone, he's, it's not going to happen. And then your dad taught you timing. Yes. My father taught me timing at the age of nine. He would hold my sleeve, and uh, as the, the laugh subsided, he'd let go, and I'd do the next setup. And one night he said to me, okay, you're on your own. And I waited, and I was worried that the laugh would get nuts to call it in time. So I went a little early, and as we walked off stage, he said to me, and I was nine years old, <laughs> he said, you stupid son of a bitch, you stepped all over the laugh. And I loved it because I realized he was treating me like a partner, mm-hmm. you know, by saying that to me. <laughs> and I, I thought, oh, that's great. <laughs> thing that it, Howard had teamed up with Lou Alexander and uh, they called themselves Storm and Gale. Storm and Gale. <laughs> and uh, I guess it was true that Howard, Howard, would you say that you were the straight man? In, yes. And yeah. Lou got yeah. the laugh? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Lou was physical. He could do a lot of mugging and falls and things. And so I did straight, and I would, uh, in between, we worked with five or six striptease dancers at the time. Mm-hmm. And in between striptease dances, I had to fill in a couple of jokes. Uh You know, that was what I would do. And then Lou would come out and we would do our act. So I was always doing comedy, even on my own, uh, between the strippers. So I had a sense of it, uh, although I've always had a sense of it because of my background. And then when Lou was drafted for the Korean War, your dad didn't have a lot of 
confidence in your ability to suddenly become the funny No, he, he didn't think I was funny. And he said to me, what are you going to do now? I said, I'm going to go out on my own. And he said, who do you think you are, Jan Murray? <laughs> and I said, I don't know, but I'm going to just go out on my own. And I did. And then when Jack Rollins asked me to go with him, uh, my father was impressed because Jack Rollins had Woody Allen and Dick Cavett. And uh, what happened was someone said to Rollins, Rollins said to me in the stage deli, I hear you doing some very interesting things. He said, I'd like to come see it. I was working in the village revamping my act. Mm -hmm. I was getting rid of all the jokes and telling stories, real stories, like are in a book. And he said, I hear you doing some interesting stuff. I'd like to come see it. And my first reaction was, it's not ready yet. And he said, well, let me come see. Maybe I can help. And he came to the club in the village. He watched me work. And then we went uptown to the stage, and we talked and talked. And he said, I'd like to work with you. Well, I was in shock because I had talked about him in therapy, mm -hmm. about this manager, never ever saying I would like to be with him because I didn't think I belonged. Because to me, he had intellectuals. He had Mike Nichols and Elaine May, Dick Cavett, Woody Allen. So I thought, I, I don't belong there. Mm. But he asked me, which was shocking to me. Because he recognized that when he saw you do your act that night, that you were working on what Carl Reiner would call your piece of ground, you know, your particular approach to comedy that made you different than anybody else. I guess, yeah, because at that point I was trying to do stories about the neighborhood and my growing up and people I knew, uh, and it was different than anybody else mm -hmm. because... Uh, you know, uh, I I came from that background. I used to do a joke in my act where I said, you know, in my neighborhood, you said something funny, and the guy would say to you, hey, what are you, a comedian? And I was afraid to say, yeah, because they <laughs> slap you. <laughs> so, you know, but my answer should have been yes. Yeah. <laughs> On the line with us are Howard Storm and Steve Stoyer. Howard and Steve are the co-authors of The Imperfect Storm, from Henry Street to Hollywood, the story of Howard's life and career on stage as a stand-up comic and in front of and behind the camera, including the three years that Howard worked with Robin Williams as the regular director of Mork and Mindy. How, how did you first meet Steve? Through, was that through Yami's Army, Steve? Yeah. Uh, we're both in this the ragtag group of funny older guys named the Army's Army, named after Dickie Army. Dot Enum's brother. Right. Dick was the nice brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really, I mean, uh, you know, and Howard would, you know, in between the Chinese food, would be telling us stories about people he worked with and growing up and all that. And people for years had been saying, you've got to write a book about this. And I, you know, I was talking with him on the phone one night, and, and I, cards on the table. I said, you know, Howard, when you go, you're going to take all these stories with you. You need to write them down. 
And Howard said, I, I know myself and I know I'll never have the discipline to do it by myself. Will you write it with me? And I thought, well, now, now I'm stuck here. I said, you need to write this. And now he said, but it ended up being a very smooth, uh, I mean, there were no disagreements. And, you know, we no. talked about what should stay in and what, you know, what we didn't need to have in. And, and uh, it took shape. But, no, it was a very smooth collaboration. And it stemmed from uh, our similar backgrounds, you know, being interested in comedy, history of comedy and funny people and showbiz and uh, Yarmy's Army. Originally, it was 400 pages. We got it down to 200, I think. And yeah. You and my... No one's going to say, I'll bet there was a funny story about a refrigerator on page 72. You know, no. Nobody knows what got cut out except us, so we felt like less was more rather than belaboring some of the points or putting in stories. Also, there were some stories that, unfortunately, you really need to see Howard act them out, and it didn't really work to try to describe it on paper. But, you know, still, as Spencer Tracy said, what's there is churse. So Right. Yes. And my wife was very helpful in editing yeah. a lot of stuff out. Mm -hmm. Tricia, She took right. a lot of <laughs> and that and that baffled me because she had been married to Robert Ridgely, who who was just the most filthiest and most outrageous imaginable human being. And it's like, and here all of a sudden, married to Howard, she's she's gone prudish and decided that we don't want that sort of language in the book. And it's like, how are you able to stay married to Robert Ridgely? Well, now four-letter words cause you to blush, but, you know. <laughs> but you know what? Ridgely never used four-letter words. He was just crazy and would do bizarre things. That's you true. Know? You know, I mean, I remember him standing behind a priest that had come to the Army's Army dinner, Father Beatty, and Ridgely had his hands on the priest's shoulders, and told a story about a little boy, Tommy, in Dublin, walking down the road, and the priest came out of the church and spotted him and said, Tommy, come in for a moment. And he buggered the boy, and he buggered the boy, and he stands behind a priest doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had no shame, but was just a <laughs> remarkably funny. He was. He was wonderfully funny. And once uh, the the mayor came. Mayor Reardon would come every oh, once in a while to the dinners. He he was dying to be a comic, and so he'd come to the dinners and he'd bring his bodyguard. And I'm try I can't remember the bodyguard's name, but he would stand in the doorway. So I said, "You don't have to stand in the doorway. Sit down." And originally, immediately, said, "Come sit next to me," and he made room for the guy. And he put his hand on the guy's thigh, the bodyguard. And he said, I hear you have a large gun. <laughs> Would you let me see it? <laughs> and everybody in the place was hi hiding under the table. You know, he was, uh, he was outrageous. Uh, yeah. Outrageously funny. On the line with us are Howard Storm and Steve 
Stoyer, Howard and Steve are the co-authors of The Imperfect Storm, From Henry Street to Hollywood, the story of Howard's life and career on stage as a stand-up comic and in front of and behind the camera, including the three years that Howard worked with Robin Williams as the regular director of Mork and Mindy. The Imperfect Storm, available hardcover, paperback, and as an ebook through BearManorMedia.com, Amazon.com, where books are sold online. One of my favorite stories in the book, and this goes back to what we talked about earlier, Howard, about how you were never afraid of big stars, big personalities. And I, I like to think Part of that was because they recognized that you had common background because you you knew what it was like to be on the stage. But one of my favorite stories is how you came to meet and how you became friends with Judy Garland. Judy Garland, yes. She had come to see a singer named Sylvia Sims, mm -hmm. who was one of Sinatra's favorite singers, by the way. Mm -hmm. And Sylvia said to her, because Sylvia liked me. In fact, she got, had me put on the bill to open for her at a club called The Living Room. And so Judy was coming to see her, and she said, Judy, don't come just to see me. Come and see the whole show, because the comedian is very good. So she was sitting ringside, and people were standing up and staring and saying, you know, is that Judy Garland? Yes, Judy Garland. So I said, Miss Garland, would you stand up, please? And she stood up, and I said, yes. It's Judy Garland. Now can I do my act? <laughs> <laughs> and she broke up. And then I said to her, can I give you a little constructive criticism? She said, yes. I said, well, musically you're fine. But the problem you have is you don't connect to the audience. They don't care about you. You've got to learn to make contact with the audience. And, you know, she was screaming. Uh, and with I went laughter. On and on. With screaming with laughter. Yes, yes. Oh, and you wanted yeah. her to update her song list. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I told her. That was, we were at the, uh, at the Palace Theater after the show. Uh, we're in a dressing room, and all the gay guys are carrying on. You were just brilliant. I can't believe it. Uh, oh, my God, I never saw anything like it. You were just so fantastic. And I said to her, you want to know what's wrong with your act? <laughs> and they turned and looked at me like, who is this guy? You know? And I said, number one, you sing old songs. It's Swanee River. Al Jolson sang that. <laughs> I said, and uh, you got to, you know, you got to learn to sing new songs. Can you learn Hello, Dolly? <laughs> I said to her, and... One gay guy turned around and said, who is he? <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, if you learn Hello, Dolly, I can get you to Concord. <laughs> uh, the Catskills? Yeah. Yeah, and the Catskills. <laughs> <laughs> yes, from... she, was, she was great. Yeah. Great yeah. fun. Yeah. But we went to, uh, I took her to, to Jilly's, because she had a crush on Bobby Cole, who mm -hmm. played piano and sang there. And we're sitting at Sinatra's table, uh, which was near, right near the kitchen, 
the, the door, you know, they can't, they'd come out of the kitchen right next to the table, but it was in the back and you couldn't see much back there. And there were two guys at the bar in suits and ties, and she said to me, those guys are out to kill me. I said, Judy, they're two guys from Jersey, because they kept staring at her, you know. Mm-hmm. I said, they're two guys from Jersey that are excited to see Judy Garland. I said, no one's going to kill you. And I bit into the egg roll, and I said, Judy, <laughs> don't eat the egg roll. <laughs> and I fell off the chair. Yeah. <laughs> but she, she had a great sense of humor, you know. Yeah, I have read that she could be very fragile off stage, and while you kind of show the readers a little bit of the fragile part, you also showed that she was, she was a real person. Somehow you guys just got each other. She was she was a lovely person. I, I enjoyed being around. I spent around about two days with her, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I remember walking. There was a deep staircase to the bathrooms downstairs at Jilly's, and I remember walking in front of her, worrying that she might fall, you know. And if she fell, she would fall on me and I can hold her up mm-hmm. and then I uh, I was standing there while she went into the ladies room and there was a phone uh, a public phone on the wall across from the ladies room so I was standing there with the uh, phone in my hand and I was waiting for her to come out and as soon as she came out I said guess who I'm with Oh, hi, Judy. (laughs) (laughs) And then there was her idea of uh, trying to masquerade on the elevator so people... Oh, yeah, yeah. The first time I picked her up at the hotel, and I met Lorna and Joey there. And um, we're on the elevator going down, and it stops on the floor, and people start to come on. And she takes her coat and puts it up over her head. And she's hiding. So when we get off the elevator in the lobby, I said, what was that all about? Why would you do that? She said, well, I didn't want them to recognize me. I said, well, you couldn't have brought more attention to yourself <laughs> by putting the coat over your head. I said, you got to be kidding. <laughs> so she liked me because I, was, I wasn't intimidated by yeah. You yeah. know, and that seemed to work because I, I liked her. I liked her as a person. Mm-hmm. You know, she was a very nice person and fun to be around. Great sense of humor. And, you know, uh, <laughs> I remember a wise guy coming over to her at the table and he put his hand on her shoulder and said to Miss Garland, I got to tell you, I got all your albums. I got all your records. I've seen every movie you made. And to me, you're the best. And a gay guy stood up. His name was Green, I remember. Last name. And he said, Miss Garland doesn't want to be bothered. Take your hand off her shoulder. And the hoodlum said, I'll put you through a wall. <laughs> <laughs> And then he went back to the bar, 
and he was drinking and staring at us, you know, and it was like, it was a Jack story. He was building and building. Mm -hmm. And I said to Jilly, oh, and then he went outside, and we were going to leave. I said, Jilly, we had a guy here, you know, and it may be a problem, maybe waiting outside. And Jilly said, he was insulted. He said to me, no one's going to party outside my club or inside my club. You understand what I'm telling you? Go out there. Don't worry about it. And we did, and it was okay. But he was insulted by the idea that I would think someone would bother us. <laughs> On the line with us are Howard Storm and Steve Stoyer. Howard and Steve are the co-authors of The Imperfect Storm, the story of Howard's life and career. We'll talk some more with Howard and Steve when we come back on TV Confidential. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contract. Our experienced partners are offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. You'll never pay another timeshare maintenance bill again, and all your obligations will be terminated. You can begin saving today. Even if you've tried another company to get rid of your timeshare, call and see if we can help you. At the Timeshare Exit Hotline, we only accept payment after an agreement has been made to get you out of your timeshare. Make this complimentary free call and learn how our honest partners can help anyone, anywhere legally get out of their timeshare nightmare. 800-715-6093-800-715-6093-800-715-6093. That's 800-715-6093. One more item, if you find yourself working from home these days, and let's face it, we're all working from home these days, and are looking for a simple way to operate your business by phone, you might want to check out Grasshopper. Grasshopper, the new virtual phone system designed specifically for entrepreneurs. Grasshopper works like a traditional phone system without any of the hassle. That's because you don't have to buy any hardware or install any software. Everything is done virtually. You can manage it online or by phone. That means callers can reach you wherever you are, any time of the day, on your cell phone. Check out trygrasshopper.com forward slash TV confidential to check out how it works. With Grasshopper, you will sound more professional. You can run your business from anywhere while keeping your work life and your family life separate. Go to trygrasshopper.com forward slash TV confidential and save $50 on your first order. You get a toll-free or local number for your business with multiple extensions. You can set up each extension with custom call forwarding to any phone in the world, as well as send or receive text messages from your business number, get voicemails emailed to you as audio attachments, and a whole lot more. Plans start as low as 12 bucks a month, and there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. Go to trygrasshopper.com forward slash TV confidential and save $50 on your first order. That's trygrasshopper.com forward slash TV Confidential. Trygrasshopper.com forward slash TV Confidential. Hi, this is Rhonda Shear, and you're staying up all night or day with TV Confidential. An adult elephant can weigh up to six tons. The average person, 150 pounds. Ever heard of carfentanil? It's a large wild animal tranquilizer. Illegal drug dealers lace heroin with it. It can kill the average human. If you or a loved one is addicted to opiates, even pain pills, don't wait until it's too late. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline now. 
We care. Many of us have been where you are. We'll take you or a loved one away from the drug environment to a place you can clean out safely. Plus, we'll work with your insurance company to make sure you get the treatment you need. And with a Family Medical Leave Act, you're allowed by law to get away for help without telling your employer why. Call now to save a life. 866-490-3991-866-490-3991-866-490-3991. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at tvconfidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.